Welcome to Robos. This is the Basketball Podcast. We've taken a little hiatus, had a holiday, refreshed. We got our summer vacation in and traveled all over Europe and went to the Bahamas Pro. And now we're back for the next season of NBA shenanigans. How, how goes it over there in the States? Bahamas, folks? You? <laughs> no, I'm talking Tell like we're me. NBA. I'm talking like uh, we're NBA players in our off season, but you, you missed the pun. Oh, yeah, I'm at that fucking break. Uh, things are going uh, hold on, hold balls. on. A few, a few DUIs. A few. <laughs> yeah, a few DUIs. Yo, a couple of, yo, a couple of quote unquote incidents. I yeah. found God. I found my jump shot. You know, all that thing. I, I mean, the best shape circle. of my life. I'm, best I'm, shape of my life. I'm coachable. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with my money. Yeah, I have typical NBA summer. <laughs> yep. No, it's been good. It's been good. What's, what's going on with you? Just uh, training all the kids, breaking people's nuts over there? Yeah, yeah. I was... Uh, let me see. I think I've talked to you since then. I went to Greece. Uh, yeah, oh, fuck. Let me see. Greece, went to Vegas, spoke at some clinics, um, uh, working out some kids, went to LA to work out some college guys. So, yeah, a little bit busy. Now I'm home being Mr. Mom because, you know, I'm fucking unhirable, I guess. So I'm just being Mr. Mom. So I'm. Uh, it's always good when you get get home from a long trip, and and the, and the wife is just like, "All right, I'll see you later." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stay, now she's gone. <laughs> yeah, stay home. I'm going out. Um, yeah. Most people that, that travel will know about that. But let's get rolling. Uh, some some great big news broke today at the time of recording. Um, Donovan Mitchell trade to Cleveland basically gave up the farm. Um, just real quick. Cleveland basically only received Donovan Mitchell to date. I haven't seen any other player thrown in there, but Utah, no. Utah receives Laurie Markkinen. Colin Sexton obviously signed sign and trade, technically. Um, Ochai Agbaji, who I don't know much about, I'm going to be honest. But this mm. is a kicker. Three unprotected first rounders and mm. two two pick swaps. Um, amazing. <laughs> amazing get by... By Utah, by Ainge, you, you know, you've been big on on the way Danny conducts business and, and always manages to fleece teams out of out of future first-round picks. And this is a pr- pretty perfect example of that, bro. You know, Vogues, Ainge is one of those guys that he doesn't fold. Like, he knows that he has something that you need and he just, like, holds on to it until you give him – exactly what he wants and he always asks for too much and like teams are like fuck off at first and then he finds it like you know he just he knows that that's what you need and you know he did it with you know he did it with Garnett he did it with Garnett and Pierce at the end of their careers you know he got he got Brooklyn to give him all those picks and he did the same here and you know everybody including myself thought New York was going to make the deal and he was like, nah, this is what I want. Shit, he made the Gorbeer deal. Got five picks from them. And then he's like, yeah, he set the market. And that's the thing. When you don't hold the line as a GM and you allow that you'll see yourself to get fleeced like that, 
Now you set the market for everybody else at that level. So now you got Gorbert for that. Donovan Mitchell, maybe on the same level as Gorbert, right? And now that's going to be the open market. And that's what these teams are getting now. They're getting all these picks and these pick swaps. And so, you know, to run it down, Bogues, right? The picks that Ainge owns, you know, going down. I mean, it's it's literally like Santa Claus's list of everybody he's got to deliver to. He's got a he's got his own twenty three pick. He's got a pick from um, he's got a, a pick from Houston Brooklyn affiliate in twenty three, unprotected from Minnesota twenty three, twenty four uh, is owed by OKC. Twenty fifth first round pick his own. Then he's got two unprotected picks, the Minnesota and Cleveland at 25. 26, he's got a swap. 27, he's got his own. And then the two unprotected picks from Minnesota to Cleveland. 28, 29, his own. And 29, he's got two more unprotected. That is unbelievable. On top of getting marketing on a pretty good deal. And then he got Sexton. I'm not a huge Sexton fan, but he got him at a, you know, he got him at a decent. Uh, keeps him competitive too. Keeps him competitive somewhat. So yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, I mean they're not going to. I doubt they'll be a playoff team, but at least they're not going to be a, a ten win team. You know. No, and Bogdanovich is probably next, and you know, but Clarkson, Bogdanovich. I mean, he's he's probably yeah, going to empty up the Conley. Maybe he'll keep Conley just to keep the peace around uh, around the team. Veteran at the end of his career, you know, getting a, a shitload of money in a good town, you know. Probably just wants to like you know do his thing there. So interesting. So is it, is it a question of this is a, a, a chicken before the egg kind of question? Is is it a is it a question of that the teams around the league are just not valuing draft picks as much as they used to, or is it a question that they're overvaluing superstar players like Donovan Mitchell to an extent? Which one do you think it is? Because it's, it's I feel like back in the day it was like it was even frowned upon. When I first came to the league, it was frowned upon to include a first round pick. Do you remember that? It was like, no, oh no, we're not giving a first round pick. And now it's like, here, have three unprotected, <laughs> like take them. And it's it's crazy. Bogues, yeah, I agree. I think that the league coveted, covets draft picks for sure. You know, on every other regular trade, there's mostly protection on the picks, meaning like protected to 10, lottery protected, protected to 20, whatever the pick, but there's always protection. I think in two categories that teams start saying, you know, the hell with it, I'm going to give you my unprotected picks. And that's if you're in a city that nobody wants to go to, which there's probably about nine of them. And I, you know, I, I would probably put Cleveland into that, into that mix that they just don't want to go there. Unless they're going to win and you have a chance for a championship. So if you're in a town that nobody wants to go or you feel the pressure of needing to get over the top and over the hump, where I think Cleveland was because, look, they've got, you know, they've got Garland before this trade. You know, they had some decent pieces. And then you've got Mobley, Allen, Garland is their top three, you know, before Mitchell. And then you get, let's not forget, you get Kevin Love and Karis yeah. Levert who still could help you. And now you put Donovan Mitchell in the mix. And now I think you're a competitive team to maybe go into a series having a chance to win. Maybe not at the four seed. Maybe they get it at the five or the six. Who knows? I'm fucking terrible at at, at trying to predict um, where people land. But I think that Cleveland needed to make this because the problem is, as you see with all these other, uh, other superstars, guys like Mobley, 
they're gonna get start getting like a little antsy once year two, year three rolls around if you're not gonna win. Yes, mm-hmm. they're gonna sign the rookie extension, but you need to put a competitive team on the table because to you know to to sort of do some damage, or you're gonna start losing people for trade demands you know, free agency and whatnot. This put Mitchell there with three years left in his deal gives them a a, a solid nucleus of, you know, four really good players. I wouldn't say they have a superstar yet. I, I don't put Mitchell into that superstar category. Yeah, I don't I put Mobley, I don't put Mobley there either, but um they do have four really good players with, you know, Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, Allen, and then you've got really, you know, you get good players in Levert and Love, and I think Rubio could still help you. So I think that you know you got a good unit and a good group, and like guys like Seti uh, Seti Osman, uh, Okoro is pretty good. So you know, they got a good group. I you know I, look, I think they overpaid. Three unprotected picks is big, but I think to get yourself over them over the hump and now getting yourself with these players maybe could attract a free agent or two, even if it's low-money free agents to add to this group. I think they did a pretty good job because Donovan Mitchell is not going to Cleveland. You're not, you got to force them to go to Cleveland through trade, and that's what you did. And now if you could win and keep them happy going forward, you got a pretty competitive group. What do you think, folks? Yeah, I think – I mean – Cleveland were a good team before the wheels fell off at the end of the last season. I mean, they probably had a bad month and they just completely fell from, what was it, four? They were four or five at one point. They were probably even higher um, and they, the wheels fell off, they had some injuries. But I, I don't mind it. I think this, the other stars on the Cleveland team, Bar Garland, aren't, they're not ball-heavy, dominant guys. Um, yeah. So I think it fits in well, like the names you mentioned – uh, Mobley and, and Jared Allen, even Kevin Love, they're happy to play a role. They're happy to fit in with offense. So I think that that definitely makes sense on paper. Um, the elephant in the room is, does, does Donovan Mitchell want to be there? You know, he's going to say all the right things right now. I, I like this move by Kobe Altman and Cleveland just because he's got two, I think he's got two years left after this season and then an option. So it's kind of, it's even, even more um, secure than, than the Kawhi Leonard kind of Toronto gamble. So does it go, you know, let's say they have a subpar year, they get playing again or they scrape into the playoffs and things don't go well, does he then want to trade a year later? That's that's the elephant in the room, which, which we don't know, playing Nostradamus, right? That That's, you know, he, he doesn't want to be in a small market. Um, arguably, you know, Utah to Cleveland, much of a muchness in NBA terms. So that's what I'm interested to see, um, whether he fully, I think he's going to fully buy in at the start, but we both know how these things go where there's a few bumps in the road that's what I want to see when there's some bumps in the road when there's a five game losing streak when there's maybe we don't you know maybe we don't get that good seed and we scrap it at eight and get get you know we're out of the, out of the playoffs and straight sets that's what I want to see the reaction to so I can't really answer that right now but there is a bit of elf in the room there right for sure there is and, and I'm wondering if Cleveland is gonna start copying you know teams copy everybody especially if they have some some success with stuff where do they do what Brooklyn does and demand like a king's ransom for the kid and be like, well, you know, it's going to cost you four picks and a superstar or an all-star player and a young and another player to get them. And then they find no suitors. And then you just say, well, we're not going to trade you. We're not just going to give you away. I hope teams start doing that a little bit more and be like, look, we'll trade you. But it's going to be for the package. 
that we, we get. Yeah, we want yeah. that we want to get. And we're going to flip this on you because if you decide not to play, now it's not like everybody's siding with the player anymore. It's sort of like 50-50 now because Durant didn't come out looking great after, you know, after the two trade demands and everyone expected, me included, Brooklyn's going to, you know, trade. And there wasn't really either they either they asked for too much or teams just didn't want to part with like, uh, you know, they didn't want to part with a Jalen Brown or a really good young player. So it's interesting how Cleveland could handle this. I think now it's not the weak East anymore. I mean, you got some good teams, you know, Boston, you know, Boston, Milwaukee, uh, Cleveland, Miami, Chicago, Miami, Chicago. Like you got some good teams in the East now. Yeah. I I think it's got much deeper. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think, but I think Cleveland with this team could really like you can't tell me that Philly's def they're gonna roll over on this, you know, they'll roll over for Philly. They're not gonna roll over for Brooklyn. You know, uh Miami will even have a tough time with these guys. You know, they they've got what you know, what they do have is they have spread out scoring. I don't think Mitchell is like a guy that you just go to twelve straight possessions and get your points. But I do think he's really good. You know, Garland can score. He can score. You could throw it into the post with Mobley. You know, Allen could, you know, Allen could be a rim runner. You got Kevin Love that could stretch the floor. You got Levert. They've got multiple parts here, you know, and, you know, look, look how teams matched up. They don't match up great with them because they got this size and everybody plays small. You and I have been a, a big fan of it. You know, playing bigger. They got these three really good bigs that they could uh, put into a rotation. It'll be interesting to see what this team does. I think now, like you said, though, is Mitchell going to be happy? You never know with NBA All-Star players. You never know how they're going to react to things. But he does have a good group. And, you know, it's it, this team's very interesting now on paper before the season starts. Yeah, I still don't have a top four. I've still got, you know, Milwaukee, uh, Miami, Philly, Boston. I think it's going to be hard for him to get to the top four. I think it's... On paper, it's a very similar team to, to Utah for Donovan Mitchell. Like it's a non-shooting yeah. big rim protector. They've got probably a bit more length with um, with Mobley, but very similar. So we need to see let's, a good segue into the KD drama. I want to discuss that a little bit. I think it's been, you know, obviously been a circus. It's all the same. It's all the same, Bogues, except you can get a cheeseburger after 8.30 in Cleveland unlike Utah. But besides <laughs> that, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Things don't shut down on Sunday in Cleveland. Um, yeah, the K, the KD drama. I mean, look, I think without Tatum and Horn, I, I kind of called this. I, I kind of said that I think he's going to be in training camp at a, at minimum. Um, he just had no leverage, pro. Like he, you know, you look at the way guys like okay, probably not Kyrie right now is a bad example, but you look at James Harden, you look at different guys, LeBron James to an extent. They sign these short term deals for a reason because it gives them leverage all throughout wherever they're at, maybe maybe for a year they don't have it, but for the most part they have it. KD signed that long extension, he never had leverage. Um, so at the end of the day, if, if Brooklyn wanted to stamp down and say, look, we're not, we're not moving you, we can't get what, what, what we want, which has happened, you're staying here, what's he going to do? And I think, uh, you know, KD cops a lot of shit, um, whether you think that's warranted or not. But the one thing he hasn't cop shoot for was showing up. He always shows up, no matter what, no matter what he's doing on socials, no matter what's going on off the court. He'll show up and play, and he'll he'll, he'll be a bucket and give you his all on court, and he'll be he'll be tough to stop, regardless if he hates the coach, the GM. The last piece in that is that if, if he then 
says, oh, I'm not reporting or I'm sitting out, that's that's probably the one thing that gets everyone else over the line to then hate him even more, you know what I'm saying? So I think the one thing he had left was he, this dude shows up no matter what, right? So it's just interesting from wanting, wanting your head coach and GM fired to staying. I think he made the right choice, um, whether it was forced or not, and, and here's why. Is, is there any other roster that he gets on that's much better than Brooklyn at current, bro? Mm, it's a good it's a good question, Bogues. The problem, and we talked about it, and we do, we're not going to beat a dead horse here, is like you don't know where Simmons is at. And now on paper, is there a, a roster? Maybe Boston. Maybe Boston. If you went they to Boston. Brown, maybe Boston, but it's much of a muchness, I think. It's still yeah. – I think Brooklyn still has a very good team. Okay, but the question of Ben is a tough one. Kyrie comes back in a good headspace, gets to play road games besides Toronto. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, you've got, you got Curry. Joe Harris is going to be healthy. People are forgetting. Um, it was a Claxton, the big fella, should, should take another yeah. step forward. Yeah, you know, I Patty think, Mills, Cam Thomas. Yeah, Patty Mills off the yeah. bench. Cam Thomas, uh, TJ Warren's there too, I believe. Um, yeah. So, so they've they've got a deep team. They've got a good team on paper. So my, my thought process was like, where, dude, where are you going? Even if you go to Phoenix, they they got to give up Aiden and something else back then when there was talks about that. You go to Boston, okay, you lose Jalen Brown, you've got Tatum, Smart, but from what we heard, they wanted Smart as well. So I didn't think there was even Memphis that came in at one point. It's like you're going to give up your three best young stars that aren't named Ja Morant. Like it's so I think he's still on one of the best rosters he can land on. I think he came to that realization. If I'm thinking, you know, if I'm in KD's head, like, hey, I could bring the first championship to a, a new franchise, quote unquote, in Brooklyn, a big city. I like living here, and our roster doesn't suck. Like we're not. It's not like he's he's in Donovan Mitchell situation where he's like, look. We've, we've, we've got to, as far as we can with this roster and with this coach and it's just time to move on and amicable, amicable divorce. This isn't that. Like it's a, he's got a fucking good team on paper still. So I think, I think that's the main, main reason for him hopefully coming to Jesus and seeing that, you know, if, if, I, if I show up as the Kevin Durant that I am, we've got a chance to win a championship. Now, pro, if they start poor, <laughs> how do you think that goes? Not well. It's not going to go well, in my opinion. And <laughs> yeah, and I, look, I don't know because I, I and I'm not one of those. I I'm going to get into the side of his head, and and this is what he was thinking. I have no idea. I'm going to throw something out there with getting the coach and GM fired. Um, maybe he thought that, maybe he didn't. My guess was he had a meeting with somebody, and he probably wanted to really leave. And he probably yeah. thought, what can I do to get me out of here? What is going to send everybody into a frenzy to get me the fuck out of here? And I bet he listened to somebody that gave him some advice. Just go in there because you know it's going to get leaked. The second you say it, it'll be leaked. I want the coach and GM fired. That, that, in my opinion, if he really wanted to leave, that would get you out of there. Because now the owner has to be like, all right, well, I can't side with you because I'm going to get a crop of shit across social media and across the media, fan base, what have you. And then good luck hiring a coach or GM ever again. That's any good. And that's going to put everybody in a frenzy and probably put the wheels in motion, forcing you out. Now, maybe that didn't happen, but that was my guess because he's usually not like that. Like, He's usually like, he may like a coach, he may not, but like, he's not really, at least maybe I'm wrong about this, but maybe I really haven't heard him or see him be really vocal about that in the past, about like, 
I can't play for this coach or this or that. But I don't know. But it is a mess. And if they do start out, you know, if they do start out a little bit, you know, four and four, six and five, you know, type of start out of the gate, I don't know what's going to happen. So, but you were right, Bogues, though. You were right before we left. You said that he'd probably be in training camp. They have a really good roster playing Simmons at the four or even in the five at times, you know, gives them a little bit of a dynamic that's really hard to defend. Well, that's the big if, bro. That's a big yeah. if. I, t- I tweeted about it. They, they could they could have a death lineup of their own. Now, Simmons hates playing the four. He hates playing the five. I know that for a fact. I was in, I was in camp with him, the boomers, and right. I still remember we, we put him, you know, it was like, hey, you take the four spot, and he's like, I'm no four. Like, yeah. just, okay, dude. Like, you know, but he hates that, so he needs to buy into that. Because he can cause a lot of problems at the five spot, and they can have a, a death lineup of of KD and, and and Ben at the big spots, and then you put Kyrie in with with some shooting around Joe Harris and maybe a, you know a TJ Warren or or a bit more size. That's a tough lineup, right? Um, so he has to buy into that, and I think he can play. You know, I think he can play that Draymond Green light role. I'm not saying he's Draymond Green. I'm just saying that kind of role where I'm, I'm going to facilitate. I'm going to I'm going to get guys open. Okay, I can't shoot the ball. It is what it is. Let's just stop talking about that he can't shoot. Let's talk about what he can do for us. He can push the pace and, and a point center. I think he's much quicker than Draymond and probably can get the ball up much much quicker. And they're similar passes, I believe. Um, I think Draymond's got a bit more nastiness to him, but uh, and, and Draymond's probably a better big defender. I haven't really seen Ben defend a lot in the paint. I think Ben's a very good perimeter defender, but I think he can, I think he's capable. And I think that's the buy-in. That's the next step for that squad. You can't play. You know, you just can't play Ben at a guard spot. Uh, late, late in fourth quarters, uh, especially in a playoff game, you know you just can't do it because it's just going to shrink the spacing for KD and Kyrie, no matter how much shooting you put around it. So I think that's that's the next step for them, and I think they've got some good pieces. I think they really do have some good pieces. And, and let's not forget they were they were a Kevin Durant size 18, 19 shoe away from from you know advancing against Milwaukee. <laughs> that's what people forget a few years ago, right? So. That could have changed the whole dynamic of things. So I think they're right there. They're, they're, they're still, I don't know what the bookies have, Matt, but I'm sure they'd be up there in the East. They're still a top two, top three favorite to come out of the East and still probably a championship favorite to come out of the East, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, Bogues. But, you know, I hate to be Monday morning quarterback, but imagine if they didn't make the trade to get Harden, you know, and you got you get got, you still have guys like Allen on the roster. You still got, you know, you still got LaVert on the roster. You got some picks, you know. Yeah. Imagine that. But again, I, I don't like playing Monday morning quarterback. But they're hey, look, like I said before, they're still in good shape. And before this whole trade demand thing at the end of the year, when they, you know, when they said, oh, he wants out, what have you, like they like calm it down and say, look, we still got a good team. You know, we still have we still have good pieces on this team. I just didn't think that. I thought it was going to be too much, and I assumed that Boston would take it. But if they're going to be asking for like multiple players, five picks, you know, just because one GM got fleeced, you just can't. You know, I'm glad that Boston didn't didn't really fall for that. But like, I just thought if it was going to be a one for one swap, maybe something else, you know, to make something work, made to sweeten the deal, maybe. But yeah, it's interesting uh, going forward with Brooklyn, man. Um, 
I think you're right, though. I think they have they have the makings of a good, really good lineups at, at times. If they could stay, if they could keep healthy, if Joe Harris could stay healthy, and you know they can get some really good production out of Cam Thomas and Patty Mills off the bench, I think that this team could be pretty good. Well, someone's getting screwed on that roster. Let's just put, put that out there too, which is going to be another issue. We know Cam Thomas wasn't too too happy because they're, they're pretty guard heavy. You, you factor in Curry, Patty, um, Joe Harris, TJ Warren, you know. It's, and, and Kyrie, that's a five guy. You can't play all those guys. Someone's someone's getting screwed. And I know Cam Thomas was on record last year saying he wasn't too happy with. I think they asked him something during an interview, like about you know, ask my coach kind of stuff. Why I'm not playing? Um, so they're going to have some issues there. They need to figure out as well. But it's better to be better to be heavy. So I would, I would actually would not be surprised if they make a trade around the deadline or during the season. Maybe maybe bring in a bit more big man depth um, for one of those guards that's out of the rotation. Yeah, yeah, and, and for Cam Thomas, maybe he could you know shoot over twenty seven percent from three, and maybe you could start talking about <laughs> getting more touches. Man, come on! I mean, stop it! Like you're a rotation player in the NBA, dude. You're averaging you know you're averaging like eighteen minutes a game for a good team, NBA team. Your time's gonna come, but it's like like I just told this group of high school kids the other day when I was working them out. They're a really good team in Dallas. I was like, look, you, you heard of player empowerment, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm not really big on player empowerment, but let's just say you guys have it because you got talent, but it's a two-way street. If you want things because of your talent, there are certain things you got to give back. And Cam Thomas has got to put the time in the gym and not be in Johnny Iso and actually shooting high percentages, like shooting over 43% from the field is going to help. Shooting over 27% from three is going to help. But yeah, I mean, but I don't think they're really all that worried what Cam Thomas is going to say right now. But I agree. There is going to be somebody that's going to get screwed. It's probably Cam Thomas. But being screwed, playing 20 minutes a night on a good playoff team in the NBA isn't exactly like... I'm getting really screwed, getting screwed, yeah. you know. But but you have to factor in, pro. He 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 thought he was getting screwed last season without yeah. a Joe Harris. Yeah. So Joe Harris is now in the rotation. They paid him a boatload of money a couple of years ago. He's one of the best shooting, best feet set shooters in the league. He's going to find minutes too. So that that 18 might go to 10. So I, I just think that, that this is just me spitballing. I think they'll they'll make a move. Um, it won't be a, a big splash trade. I think one of those guards is just going to. He's going to be out of there by the deadline, and I'll bring in a bit more forward kind of forward center depth um, on that team. But I'm I'm excited to see how they go. Um, I think all this drama has has brought an excitement to people. There's people on the one side of the fence that wanted to fail now, and there's people that wanted to still succeed, and there's people like me who are in the middle of like I want to see how this goes. Is it going to be a train wreck that's on fire for another year, or are they going to? You know, the true American story is for them to dig it out and win a championship, right? Like, can you imagine that? Yeah. That, oh. that 30 for 30 in 10 years, you know, like, man, KD wanted to, you know, he had a gun cocked at our GM's head. Um, excuse the pun, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and then we, then, we went, then we came together and won a championship. Ooh, great. You know, so it kind of writes itself. So I think um, I'm looking forward to that, at least with Brooklyn. But let's move on to Chet Holmgren Pro. Um, Liz Frank injury breaks his foot in summer league. No, not in not summer league, in, in the summer games, um, the Pro-Am. And I think a lot of people have touched this, but it has to be asked. It begs the question of a lot of people have asked why do why do teams allow guys to play in these in these leagues? Um, there is a love of basketball clause, which was brought in by the the great Michael Jordan back in the day. Where uh, for those not familiar, before that you couldn't play in these leagues. You could barely even play for your national team without approval. Um, and Michael Jordan protested that and said, "Look." If I want to work on my game and get better, I have every right to. And if it's you know a, a proper event or you know a, 
I want to get better in my game. I have every right to. It's called the for the love of the for the love of the game clause. That is why guys are allowed to do it. A team can a team can kind of you know say, hey, we we don't think you should do it, but if it's if a player wants to do it. Can't stop him. Um, so this poor guy ends up breaking his foot. There were injury concerns about him from everyone um, who knows basketball just because of his frame. It would take him a year or two to fill out properly if he ever does. And he's unfortunately broken his foot. But it does beg the question, Pro, if, if you're a GM, would, would you allow would you allow your guys to play in, in these prime games? Now, devil's advocate, like I get it. People say, what about national team? The difference is, FIBA, even summer league, it's organised with NBA slash FIBA officials. It's it's it doesn't have that as as I guess streetbally feel at times. I think those prime games sometimes get the intensity from the crowd, back and forth. There's shit talking. There was the um, was it uh, Paolo uh, from Orlando and um, who was it? It was Deont- uh, Murray uh, getting into it. You know, beefing online afterwards. They get they get they get intense these games, right? Because no one wants to get shown up. It's a smaller crowd. Um, so my question is: Do they have do they have simple things? Do they have a physio there getting guys warm and treated the same way an NBA or international game is? Do they have trainers there making sure that they're you know, doing their, their, their routine to get warm. Um, do they have guys wiping the floor when they're sweating the floor? Some of these places don't, bro. And I think that's that's a concern for me. If I'm a GM and I'm paying a guy or drafting a guy like Chet, I'm like, eh, you know, if you want to play summer league, cool. If you want to play like for, for a national team, cool. But we're probably going to draw the line on these just random, like what do you get out of showing up to those games? I'd, rather, I'd much rather than be in my gym playing five five on five, open gym. I've got my eyes on the guy. He's in our building getting warm, getting his treatment in um, and rather than suffering the risk. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts as a, as a development coach on that. You know, folks, it's easy to look at something like this and say, yeah, we got to stop it. We got to put a stop to it. You know, this and that. Um, you know, first of all, the home kid, you know, the kid's like the hunchback of Oklahoma City. Like you look at his body and it's ridiculously bad. You know, you, you know the kid is going to be frail. Look, I didn't think – I thought injury is going to be a problem with him. And I feel bad for him. I do. But like I don't think – there's 510 NBA players counting two ways, right? Like I would say 507 play pickup in the summertime. And you never hear of major injuries. Now, you heard Gary Harris got hurt, tore his knee. Chet got hurt. Hogan got hurt. You know, this with this, he's out for the year. But you don't really hear about a lot of these other injuries. Guys play at UCLA. They play, um, you know, they play other trainers that were sponsoring these runs, you know. Um, all, you know, Miami, there's a couple, there's a bunch of runs. You got... Uh, Chris Brickley in New York, they have these runs, and no one really gets hurt. And, they, and they're not really supervised either. They don't have NBA refs or anything like that. I'm not a huge fan of pro-ams uh, because of the fact that, you know, I, I'm a big fan of it for other players, for sure. If you're like a D-League hopeful or you're a play overseas and you need places to play, I, I think that's a good idea. But I'm not a big fan of it for all those reasons. I'm a big fan. I'm a big believer they need more security at these places. Like fans, you saw like video of like fans going up to LeBron, you know, right up to him in the Drew League. Like I think that here's what I think this should happen. I think the NBA should sanction like seven or eight leagues across the country. 
and they put about 100,000 a league into it to beef up security, afford, allow the person running the league to afford to play in big venues, not big venues, but nice venues, college gym with good facilities, hire physio people, hire all those people that you talked about for every night that an NBA player is going to be there. And you sanction them in LA, you sanction them in New York, you sanction them there. The problem is, like, I, the thing is, like, I go to UCLA, that's not really a problem because there's, there's a few people there, but there's not a lot of people there. When I was in Chicago, Grover didn't let anybody in. There's, it's, it's harder to get, you know, it, it's like, it's like airport security. He didn't let anyone in. Yeah, White House security, whatever. And we had NBA refs, ref in the games and we wiped down the floor and all that stuff. But like, what you just can't tell people they can't play because now, you know, what are you going to do? These guys need somewhere to play. And they're not going to go. A lot of these guys aren't going to go back to their teams and play. Maybe, yeah, I don't know, Bogues. I don't know the answer to it. But I do think that if you're going to – I'm okay with the UCLA runs and these runs in gyms because it's very – it's usually invite only and it's usually decently organized and you never hear of a problem. It's usually in the, you know, the pro-ams where there's a problem. And I think it's a street cred thing because LeBron shows up. There's a bunch of social media activity. People love That's my they, point. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. I think the closed door ones in UCLA with a few people, no problem. I've got no problem with that. I think the intensity rolls up and things can go worse. And yeah, it's a, it's a freak event. But I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at it as if, if I'm a GM and I'm I'm just drafted. I've just drafted a kid who's you know top five, or I've just paid a guy X Y Z. An extension. I'm like, fuck. The last thing I wanted to do is be going live in, you know, July, August, um, in a run that, you know, has no bearing on on. Re- is it really getting him that much better than playing a closed door at UCLA or whatever? That that's kind of my point. So I, I wonder if, you know, if I'm a team owner, I'm probably thinking the same thing, right? If I'm a team owner, I'm like, hey, what the fuck? Like, we just drafted this guy, OKC. We've 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 been shooting for a couple of years to get all these picks, and now we've lost one of our main guys, and this is a year of his development gone, where he's not playing. Where we should have probably, you know, I said I thought OKC would be, um, in at least in the mix to get a, a playing slash late playoff spot the year after next, and that changes now again, right? Because now that's technically going to be Chet's rookie year again, so. I think the owner. I think it's going to come up. It's going to come up eventually um, in the owners' meeting. It'll be just interesting to see. I like your idea of the NBA actually sanctioning. Hey, we've got these five, six, seven events that we're going to put some money into, and they're they're bare minimum of what NBA players need. Now that might sound like NBA players are prima donnas, but it plays a part. Getting warmed up properly, making sure things are right. Because when you're in these environments, sometimes you know the testosterone kicks in and and. Guys, guys are ready to go. Guys are ready to fight. Guys are ready to talk shit, you know, and the crowd's up and up and down and there's, you know, influencers are there, like you said, posting the shit online. So it ramps up a little bit more than even an NBA game would at times, right? Because it's not as not as kind of, uh, you know, organized and secure. So I think it's a, it's a valid point. It'd be interesting to see what they do, but I think something will be done. I just, you know, the, the counter-argument is if this was Joe Blow on a minimum contract or a non-guarantee that did it, would anyone even be, be talking about it right now? Oh, Probably fuck not. no, we wouldn't be. Yeah. Fuck no. Yeah. No. Yeah. no, fuck um, no, we wouldn't. No. But, but, it isn't. but it isn't, you know. And God forbid this is someone that signs an extension. Let's say RJ Barrett or someone like that, right? You sign this massive extension and then 
and they're like, what the fuck? Like, so I hear the team's point of view. I think you should be able to work out and play. But I, I just think some of these some of these runs, I've been to a few to watch, uh, are, are kind of uh, not the most organised at times. Like you said, people can run on the court. People can, you know, so I, I kind of stayed away from them for the most part. Um, never participated in them for that very reason. Um, I just try to get in my own gym and work out. But each to their own. I'll just be interested to see what the, what the NBA does with that. Um, segwaying on to... Pat Bev and Westbrook together, pro. Uh, <laughs> warming up the popcorn, or is the writing on the wall for Westbrook, pro? I think the writing on the wall with the Westbrook thing um, has been there for a while. I think that they, I think they're trying to move on. I think they're just trying to attach enough picks where somebody's going to say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna bite and we'll we'll take the contract on." Um, and I think they just want to get insurance. I, I don't believe the fact that they think that they could both play together, especially when you hear coaching staff ownership saying, oh, they, yeah, we want them to play together. They're going to be great. You automatically know that they want him out of there based just on that. <laughs> you know, the, the kiss of death is when the coach, the GM, and you know ownership all say oh this is gonna work this is great we can't wait you know it uh, oh excuse me let me pause this interview uh yeah danny uh three first round picks can they do it yep all right we got him oh what was i saying again and fucking he's gone like yeah they're they're gonna attach enough picks where somebody's gonna bite mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree i mean it does ex- i don't know if you saw genie bus's comments pro on, on Russ, folks, um, it's funny. I got it on. Um, I don't know where I, I. I don't know how how I got to the site. Fansited.com on the side. Genie Bus claims Russell Westbrook was Lakers' best player last season. Yeah. Uh, oh, good man, luck with hey, hey Genie. Good luck with the glaucoma surgery. Trust me. And then best player last season quickly walks it back. I don't know. I didn't hear her say it, but I just read the. I read the headline. Yeah, because LeBron Corder was like, what the fuck? What do you oh, no, but, doubt about uh, it. I mean, Jeannie Buss explains why she should never be a GM in that very quote. Yeah. But, I mean, you just go go to say that. I mean, maybe you're trying to you're trying to fool the league, Jeannie, and, you know, we're, we're not going to trade him. He's, he's great for our team. It's just so you get some offers. It doesn't work that way. I think people know what's going on at this point. But um, I would like to see Pat Beverly and Westbrook in the training camp together doing a one-on-one drill, you know, the standard full-court one-on-one drill. I would pay to see that shit. That should be pay-per-view. I'd get the popcorn out. I would uh, enjoy watching that because it'd be a good back and forth. For those not familiar, these two have had a huge rivalry since Russ was in OKC and Pat Bev had his different journey uh, journey stops, but mainly Houston. Um, I think Westbrook did his knee one time because uh, of Westbrook essentially um, walking the ball up for a timeout and Westbrook tried to get at him. So there's a real deep history there. The, reportedly they've spoken and they're all cool now, um, but I still think there'll be a bit of back and forth in training camp and shit talking. So interested to see that. The Knicks pro, $340 million invested in their big three pro. Their big three, you know their big three is, right? So it's all Brunson, le- yeah, Brunson all lefties. Barrett, Brunson, Barrett, and Randall. Three hundred and forty million is invested in that in that trio. Pro, I, I don't think I'd be too comfortable with that if I was the Knicks. But that's what they've that's what they're trotting out there. So, have they got a chance to be the next big three out there, bro? Fuck no, they don't. Come on, man. Let's be honest. No, <laughs> I was hoping no. you were going to lie a little bit for the pod for the you know back for the new season. No, I'm optimistic. You know, the I think problem <laughs> is I'm unhirable and I'm an asshole. I'm not going to lie for that for it for that reason. Um, 
I, I just no, folks. I just look, and the problem is, yeah, I don't know, man. It's not. It's not like you got good play. They're good players. They're three good players, but three hundred forty million. You know, this is the problem with New York. This is the problem. It's 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 been like this for twenty years, twenty five years. Like you just can't stay quiet for an off season and be like, you know what? We're not going to put all this money into players that like, you know, that really can't take us three levels ahead of where we are now. You know, we're just gonna we're gonna hang tight. We'll be bad, but you know what? We're gonna draft well. We're gonna put us in position to be successful. And we're going to use our money wisely, and we're going to keep it open for really, really good players. What they needed to do because they struck out on some other stuff, they got to sign the and and Jalen Brunson was the best player in free agency. He was, in my opinion, I think I'm, I, I think he was the best player in free agency, and they paid what the market was going to probably pay him. If it wasn't them, it was going to be somebody else. But to give him. You know, him, Barrett, and, you know, you know, him, Barrett, and what's his name? Um, Randall, that money, it's, that's tough, man. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Um, it's, it's interesting to see. Um, they've, they've got a lot invested in, that, in those three guys, and I think it's not going to end well. I mean, they're still trying to actively move around from what, I, what we've all read and heard, but uh, just thought I'd, I'd note that real quick. The Giannis hate continues. Uh, we're noticing a trend pro. I think Gilbert Arenas was the last one to come out and basically shout all over Giannis. And, um, you know, everyone's alluding that, that that goes against Giannis, that he has no skill set, he's athletic. But I think he's improved um, that part of his game. You know, he's shooting the jumper better, I believe, than it was. It's not perfect, but he's he's actually gone to the fadeaway. He's got some stuff to him now. It's not, not as much straight line drive Euro every possession. But he cops, a, he cops a lot of hate for an MVP and um, I just I just don't understand it. And, and, and the more you look at it is, I don't know what it is. Is it because he's an international player? Is it because he, he does things differently? He's not he's not a clutch slash celebrity that shows up to the ESPYs. Is, is it that? I don't know. But we're starting to notice a little bit of a trend there. I love Giannis's game. I think his improvement from when he's got to the league to now has not, not just happened because of athleticism. I think obviously his game is athleticism – um, dominated, but I mean, most superstars, to be honest, you look at your Vince Carter's, even Tracy McGrady um, of the world, you know, those, those kind of guys are relying a lot on athleticism, right? But um, from what I understand and what I've heard, he puts in a lot of work when the lights and cameras are off and I just I don't understand the hate, bro. I just can't, I can't get um, my head around it. It's interesting, folks, because I think everybody is entitled to their opinion about like, if you don't have him as the best player in the league, um, you know, you might have Jokic, you might have Durant. Most people will probably have Durant, Jokic. Luka. I have yeah. I have Luka myself. But, Steph, like, yeah. you know, Steph is up there for sure. You know, with me, it's age now. Like, that's where I think Durant was one for me last year, drops down. I mean, Giannis is, look, he's a dominating force. Guy at 50 in a closeout you know, championship game. That has to be worth something. Um, his jumper is progressively getting better. Um, you know, Josh Oppenheimer, the uh, player development coach, from when I was in Greece, uh, they were telling me that their staff has been with them all summer uh, retooling that shot. And you saw the video of him last week of him draining like three after three in the corner. 
Guy just dropped like 62 against Belgium with seven for seven from the three-point line. Look, that's, you know, look, it's just one game, but I think you will see because of his work ethic and he is good. Look, he's a different type of player. Is he the thinker that like Luka is and Jokic is? No, he's not. But like, you know, Durant's a scorer, you know, who isn't the thinker that Luka and Jokic is either. Like, you know, he's more of a scorer. He'll, you know, he'll just go at you, go at you, go at you. Giannis isn't the shooter Durant is, but he just comes at you in another way. I think everybody's got their strength, especially in that top 10, top 15. They got their strength with things that they do really well and then the things that they don't do all that well. Giannis is a a high-level defender, high, high, high high-level athlete, and really good rebounder, you know, good mid-range game. Three-pointer isn't there yet. I think he shot, what, 29 last year or something like that. Free throws getting a little bit better, shot in the 60s. Last year, I think he shot in the low 70s, if I'm not mistaken. But, like... I don't mind if if somebody – look, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And if you say uh, Giannis, to me, isn't the best player, he's third or he's fourth or whatever, that's not exactly hate to me. I, and, I, and I respect Gilbert because, you know, I, I was around him a lot. I really like him. He tells the truth. Um, but, like, yeah, I went after him a little bit hard. And I think that old-school NBA players, and I think Gilbert, even though he played not so long ago, is still in that old-school, like – I don't know. Maybe they just don't like the the way the games play. But like, he went at him pretty hard. Like he was saying that like he doesn't know how to play, um, you know, things like that. And um, LeBron's better. I think I think him and Phil Handy were, were going at him at, at uh, Gilbert's podcast pretty hard. You know, it, it wasn't really that hard. It was like a thirty second deal. But um, you know, I think everybody has their biases. Phil Handy made his bones in the NBA by working out LeBron. So, of course, he's going to be biased towards LeBron. Um, you know, Gilbert came up with LeBron. So, of course, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be favoring that. But, yeah, like there is a lot of there is a lot of negativity in some, some way, shape or form with Giannis. It's crazy. Look, I was against him early on last year. Um, because of the lack of footwork, the lack of game. Um, but I knew he brought it every night. One thing about that guy, he brings it every night. He's got a smile on his face. He's one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet, from what I've been told. Great teammate, never gets in trouble. I mean, how can't you love that guy, you know, and, and where he's come up from? My wife barely likes basketball. She saw the documentary on him. She's ready to marry the guy. I mean, she loves the guy <laughs> based on the movie. Like, how can't you? Like, he might be the one guy in the top 10 that not one person has ever said a bad word about him, like, about him personally. I think everybody in the top 10, you could have a percentage of people that, like, had a bad experience with the kid. Probably Jokic's only one is that that fucking little prick that that uh, Jokic smashed his phone. Was it Jokic who smashed his phone? Or no, that, that was Nurkic. Nurkic. That, that was Nurkic. Nurkic. My bad. My my apologies. But, Confusing um, the Balkans, you racist. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It comes out. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my whole thing. What do you think, folks? I mean, what do you think about that whole deal with Giannis and? Uh, I think I think he's a gun. I mean, you can say, oh, it's because he's only athletic. Well, he is athletic, so. You know, that's what we're talking about. He's athletic. That's part of his skill set. Like maybe, you know, if he didn't have that athleticism, he'd find a different skill set as a young fella. Who knows? But he, you know, he came into the league very raw, man. Like he didn't he didn't play a lot. He his body was 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 not great. He was skinny, and then 
you know, he's, he, just his transition of his body shows you that he cares and puts the work in. So I think it's a bit, a bit of sour grapes. He's an international player. I know there's a lot of international players that aren't well-liked when they win these awards. Um, that's just part of, part of what it is in the NBA that I think is a gun. And I just, I just think that, you know, constantly guys just trying to talk down Giannis. It's just like, man, like Jokic got it a little bit too last season. Um, so there is a bit of a trend there. And unfortunately for, you know, everyone out there, I think four of the top – you know, 10 players, four or five of the top 10 players are international. You know, you've got Jokic and Bede and Luka and, and Giannis and, and, you know, the international players are having a huge um, impact on the game. So we shall see. I mean, he's going to come back. What do you think it is, folks, though? What do you think? Like, besides being – like, people just don't like Euros, you think? Like, I never thought that. I don't know. I never thought that. I don't think that's the sole reason with the Giannis hate, but I think it definitely plays a part. I mean, shit, you could argue, hey, hey, Gilbert, like not everyone got their ball, got the opportunity to have their ball in their hands for 40, 50 possessions a game, right? Like it's, it, you could argue it's easier to, 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 to score 30 when you know you're going to shoot it 30 times, right? Like, you know, where you've got the full ultimate green light. Like no matter what I do, I can take a one foot step back from half court. I'm not getting taken out of this game. People could argue that's, that's also, you know, he earned that, right? People can argue that's that's an easier way to play. If you're a role player, like, you know, that thinks they should be getting more minutes, you'd, you know, you'd probably want that opportunity and you haven't got it. So, I mean, there's arguments on all sides of this shit. I, I don't know what this, why guys are just so against Giannis. I, I think a part of it definitely is international. I think another part of it is he's not into the whole um, clique of, you know, the SBs and the clutch type mentality type stuff. I think that definitely plays a part. I just don't think he gives a shit about that. I think he's very, from what I understand, he's very family orientated off the court. He's not too much into all that, all that kind of, I want to be a superhero off the court type of thing. I'm a basketball player. I love basketball and, and that's kind of it. So I think that plays a part in it as well. I think guys just don't like that. So, um, and, and he smiles at you when he's kicking, when, he, when he's kicking your ass, he smiles at you. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he, it's funny, he's got the attributes of an American player. Like, I could see hate on Luka, on Jokic, on Dirk, on Pau Gasol. Yeah, slow. Because it's slower. Yeah. You know, like, Pau had a little bit of juice, but, like, you know, it's even him. Like, they were slower. Um, they're not great defenders. They're not that athletic. Like, it's funny. I had Luka one in the draft, in his draft. And um, a good friend of mine that was a high-ranking NBA official went to see him in the EuroLeague. And he was like, you know, Nick Calathis was guarding him and he couldn't go by him. You know, and it's funny because that rang in his head about doubting Luka a little bit. And myself, it di- I didn't doubt that he was still number one in the draft. But I doubted, all right, how good can he be? With his lack of, you know, lack of like that explosive speed, where like Giannis is athletic, he's strong. Like, look, I, and you and I were talking earlier. It was like, hey, look, I can understand when you're looking at Jokic or or Luca or you know Giannis in the draft and being like, yeah, I don't know. But like when you're in year six and year seven and year nine, I mean, I think Giannis is going up in his ninth year, like. When, when you get to the ninth year, you're like, all right, like we know what he is. He's a superstar, right? Like, and, and to continue to get that where people are killing you like that, yeah, it's pretty interesting to me. Like, to me, I always, like, I always eat it. I was like, you know what? I was fucking wrong. Giannis's draft, I've said this a thousand times. I wanted nothing to do with him. Grainy tape. They were playing on bathroom tiles. He didn't look all that great. 
The shot didn't look terrible, but it was really hard to figure. He was playing against awful competition. And I was like, I just can't take the chance on it. Um, you know, and that's probably why no one wants to hire me as a scout. But I, you know, I just didn't see it. With Luca, I saw it. I saw the, you know, obviously played EuroLeague. I remember, you know, who's the first guy to tell me about him? Was Salah Mejri. Salah Mejri after a workout, during a workout, he goes, pro, you got, because he, you know, he's, he played for Real Madrid. He was like, pro, I, you gotta, I gotta show you what this kid, I got I said, I said, Salah, shut the fuck up. Let's work out. All right. And he emailed me this kid. I'm like, holy shit, this kid's fucking good. He was, I don't know what he was like, 15 at the time, 16 at the time. And I was like, holy shit, this kid's good. But yeah, you have those doubts. But once they're busting everybody's ass, you gotta be like, yeah, the fucking guy could play a little bit. Right. 100 percent yeah like I, I just don't i mean i don't understand i don't understand the hate but it is what it is some people like players some people don't but but the Giannis thing for a guy that you know won the mvp which you know a lot of players don't even sniff um it's pretty interesting but each to their own real quick just want to finish dyson daniels uh reportedly looking very good in pre-camp pro um might might actually get some etch out some minutes for himself so I've heard that he looks really, really good in shape. They really like the fact that he can um, play multi, multiple positions, multi-dimensional. It's all going to come down to how he shoots the ball, like it is for a lot of young guys. But I think um, I'm hearing very positive signs out of New Orleans for Dyson Daniels Pro. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. He's a good player, man. He's good. I think he could be. I think he has a chance to be really good, man. And I don't even know why I said cool like I'm a fucking surfer guy from L.A. I think I, I got me on a fucking bad day, but I think he's a good player, man. I think he goes hard. I only saw him play a couple of times, but I think he has a chance to be, you know, to be someone who could break lineups, man. I think he could be, you know, he could be a, a solid piece. Let's go, Aussie. All right. Uh, Eurobasket has kicked off. I love his tournament pro. Uh, big fan of, of the Eurobasket for numerous reasons, but I think um, – the FIBA World Cup's one thing, but the Eurobasket to me, I think I just just really enjoy it. The rivalries, the old school European rivalries, we joked off air. It seems like every European team that plays was was at war once in history, <laughs> whether it was at the 1800s or the 1700s. So there's that extra added rivalry: Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, the Rush or the Russian breakoffs, um, Lithuania and whatnot. So um, fun tournaments. Serbia favourites uh, with Jokic playing which I found interesting. France, Greece, and Slovenia are the next three favorites. So they're tied for second by the bookies. And then Lithuania and Spain round out the top six. I think it's going to be a great tournament though, Pro. Yeah, I watched it today, Bogues. Um, yeah, I was I was reading some tweets about Luca and, you know, uh, how they were playing. They had to take a cab to a game. I guess something with their, like, um, something the bus didn't come or they couldn't get to the hotel. So fucking, so Slovenia had to take fucking cabs to the game. That was pretty fucking special. But um, I, I watched it. It was a really good game with Lithuania and Slovenia. And, I mean, you know, it's really fun watching those that, that type of competition, man. I'm, you know, I'm always big on international competition. And um, those guys were going hard at it, you know, change of, you know, change your leads throughout the game. You know, uh, Lithuania, I think, opened up like a five or a six point lead late, like late in the third and fucking, you know, Slovenia just came fucking back. I mean, it's really hard with, with you know, with both Dragic and, and Luka to, to, you know, to put those guys away because they get to the basket, they make plays for other people. You know, they got shot makers, they've got... 
you know, they've got guys that could, you know, get to the basket. Lithuania played their hearts out, though. But it was it's really good. It's a really fun tournament to watch. Uh, I definitely ESPN Plus has a lot of the games. Definitely would recommend watching uh, watching it if anybody had a minute. For Australians, I'm not sure where to see them here. I think KO might have have those on. So do some googling. I'm sure you find them. Just to round this out, I don't want to touch too much on this because we've beat it to death. But Liz Cambridge gone pro. Um, you know, you know. You know, four or five week hiatus from the podcast. She has walked out on her team. They've called it an amicable divorce, I believe. Divorce, yeah. Along those, those lines, but uh, she's taken her toys and and thrown them out of the crib, and and she's on to. I don't know what she's doing. I, look, I hope she's in the right mental space. I hope everything's okay. Um, it can't be easy just leaving your team mid season mentally for you um, now that you're at home and doing whatever you're doing. But I hope um, she's doing well. But it's it's a no surprise to probably either either of us that this has transpired, considering probably the last eighteen months or two years of of, of what has transpired in in her world, pro. Well, folks, hopefully the LA team that signed her signed a prenup before that fucking marriage, because I would ask for half her shit back. Because just to walk out in a team like that, especially like beginning of the year, it was like, oh, I'm finally have a team that supports me. Like, again, I don't know her at all, but it just seems like I, I said, I got a couple of clients that are really high end, um, you know, WNBA players. And, you know, I, I watch LA a lot because I had a scout for them. And, you know, it just seems like she's never happy, never happy with referees, never happy with teammates, never happy, just didn't get the ball enough. Like, even when she gets called, she's not happy. And look, we've dealt with a million players like this on the male side too that maybe not quit on your team, but they're just the ones that are never happy. And I think that those players, it just, they're tough to be around. They're tough to like. They're tough to want to acquire. It hurts their value. They, you put up with them just enough to where their physical skills are on the high end. Once they start diminishing a lick, uh, an inch, then you just unload them because, you know, we've seen this with NBA players where like NBA all-stars that like no one likes to be around, people want them around because they could produce. But once they start slipping even just a tad, they ship them off. They end up playing for like 18 teams in five years and then they just leave on a bad note. And yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but hey, like, like you said, hopefully she's in a good spot but mentally, but man, it just seems like she's never ever happy and it is what it is man it sucks but like life moves on man hope she's well hope she's well for court pro um gets the help that she needs and comes back to the basketball court in uh a better way you know for next season so i, I you know if someone takes a gamble on her um next season that is so we'll see how that goes real quick let's promo dabble Dabble is betting meets social media. On Dabble, you can follow your friends, mates, stalk the experts, or trending tipsters. It's one of the unique uh, betting apps out there that you can actually um, engage with friends. You can copy bets. You can see what they're doing. You can share tips. And there is a chat forum on there. So one of the one of the few apps out there that you can actually chat and get in, in a community for whatever you like, whether that be basketball or, or racing or, or whatever it is. So um, you can also jump on there and follow me. I'm on there, uh, do stuff during the NBA season from time to time, which was hit or miss for me last season, bro. Tipping those playoffs was pretty hard at times, but got a few right. So everyone out there, get on there, download Dabble, uh, a bit more fun than the traditional apps. 
but you do need to dabble socially and gamble responsibly pro. Uh, we don't want uh, any issues arising from gambling, do we? Uh, moving on to the NBL and Australia. Um, just real quick, the bookmakers, I thought this was interesting. Um, it is early. We still haven't had our preseason. I'm not going to get too far into this just because the preseason blitz is mid-September. We'll know a little bit more of how how teams are going to be after that. But the bookmakers have the Sydney Kings first. They have them favorites. They have Adelaide, who did not make the playoffs last season, in second, uh, followed by Brisbane, Southeast Melbourne, Illawarra, Perth, Melbourne, Tasmania, New Zealand, and Cairns dead last. Just quickly for me, Pro, I think Melbourne United are far too low. They've got them in seventh. And I think Brisbane are too high. Um, I think Brisbane is in third. They're still an unknown roster. Even then they've got Aaron Baines. I think they'll be competitive. But I think those two are probably most head-scratching. Uh, Cairns dead last, fair enough. And like I said, I'll give an in-depth preview to the NBL season once we get rolling a little bit. And I just want to give a congratulations to David Barlow, a former teammate of mine uh, with the national team, kind of grew up in the same junior ranks. He has retired from basketball. He's going into coaching with the A-League powerhouse, Melbourne United. Sorry, I meant NBL, A-League soccer, but the name confuses me always. Um, 366 games, five championships in the NBL, and two Olympic games, bro. So a local legend here, I'm probably... You're probably not too familiar with him, but a guy that's played all around the world and, and grinded out a very, very good career. So um, congratulations to David. Let's get on to our useful and useless pro. We've got some good ones this week. Let's do it. What do you got, kid? Let's do it. All right. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar posted this, um, and I thought it was interesting, so I thought I'd share it. Kobe Bryant missed the most career field goals in NBA history. He missed 14,481 times. Kareem called that stat the foundation of his greatness as an athlete. Um, useful or useless, bro? Hmm. That he missed. I'll give you some context. I'll give you some context. Sure. Yeah, so he's, he's missed 14,481 times. Kareem's point with this of why he thinks it's, it's – it's why Kobe was so great is because he didn't care about that. All he cared about was the winning. And if he had to go four for 20, he didn't care. Um, he was not going to um, die wondering. And I think it was a valid point. You know, the guy, you know, didn't have the greatest field goal percentage at times, but he was a winner. He'd, he'd make him when it counted. And he'd be, you know, arguably he'd be 0 for 20. You still didn't want him to take that last shot. So that, that was the context behind it. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty a pretty useful thing just to – you know, for kids out there, for parents, for, for even players that, that listen to this podcast is one of the greatest players of all time, um, has missed the most career field goals in NBA history. I think uh, in that context, for sure, useful. You know, it does like, to me, it just shows that, you know, and that's just how he was. He didn't care. He cared about losing, of, of course, winning, losing, but he can miss 15 in a row. He's going to still want the ball in his hands. He'll never shut. He never wanted to shy away from it ever. So I do say in that context that it's, you know, if that was like Jordan Clarkson or whatever, I'd say probably pretty useless guy like the gunshots. But um, in that context, I would say it's useful. Agree. I thought it was a good one. Just something against the grain. And we know Kareem, I don't like to quote him very often, pro. So I thought I'd give him, give him a chance to get on the podcast, but um it is against the grain, and that's why I liked it. All right, next one. Most first-round picks in the next seven drafts, bro. Who do you think they are? Next first um, – most first-round first round picks. F- in the next seven. The next seven seasons, who has the most first-round picks? Sam Presti in Oklahoma City. Correct, but Utah is tied with them now at 15. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, somebody 
somebody um, sent me over um, a, like a fake tweet saying that the NBA for the next uh, for the, like next year's draft is only going to be two cameras on draft day, and they showed a picture of Ainge <laughs> and Sam Presti. It's fucking great. That's that's fair enough. Yeah, that's, that's very fair enough. But yeah. um, I think it's useful. It shows both those teams have traded well for the most part. Let's see if it eventuates because we know we know Philadelphia was in that position about you know what did it eight years ago now, and they still haven't got a championship out of it. So it's it's never a given, but they're they're definitely in a good position to build, especially Utah and, and OKC being a smaller market. Hopefully they can build and sustain their own superstars, kind of a la what, what what Memphis has gone through right now, right? So we will see. All right, most games pro with zero points and ten plus assists, ten or more assists in um, NBA history pro. Who would you have at number one? No points in ten or more assists. Avery Johnson. No. Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues. He had had eight of those. Um, And number two on the all-time list is uh, uh, a guy who was with one of your former teams, former pit stops. I don't know if you coached him. I don't think you – no, you didn't. You weren't there. Won a championship with the Mavs. Won a championship with the Mavs. Zero points in 10 assists. Not Jason Kidd. He did Kidd. it five times. Yeah, he did it five times in his career. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Really interesting stat. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, this is a good one because we can't really post any stats that are going on right now. So I thought I'd dig some out from the archives and that's what I had. Now, Pro wanted to do just one fact or fake news this week. He sent me three, but he thought, well, let's go with one and see see what the people want. But I'm going to I'm going to veto that because I think you're three. Well, you know why? Because I think your three this this week are very, very good. That's why. I I like all three of them. So we're going to go with three. Sure. Let's do it. All right, folks. We talked about it earlier with Cleveland. Uh, With today's trade, all right, Cleveland will win at least one round of the 22-23 NBA playoffs. Fact or fake news? Fake news, that one. I think they make the playoffs. I think they're not going to be in the top four, so they're going to face one of either my Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, or Boston. <laughs> they're not beating either four of those, so I'm going to go fake news. I think they make it though. I think they'll they'll be, I think they'll be somewhere, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere around there. Um, if I was a betting man, so they'll be playing at minimum, but I think they'll make the playoffs um, through the plane if they don't get straight in. But they're not good. they're not getting through the second round, pro. I'm going to say fact. I'm going to say fact. Ooh, who they beating? Who, so, so, oh, so you wait, fact Fact yeah. on the on, on the premise that they're going to make the top four or fact on the premise they're going to knock off one of those four teams I just mentioned who oh, are most likely going to be the I say they, I say they knock off – if they play Philly, they knock off Philly. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's so it. So uh, yeah, a 4-5 or a 3-6. Boston's good. Like Boston, you know, I don't know, maybe Miami, but – like I think if I don't I don't think they have enough from Milwaukee or Boston, but I think they could beat Philly. I think they could beat Miami. And you know how much of a fan of Miami I am. I think they could beat Brooklyn if Brooklyn gets in the top four. So I think that they're gonna be I don't think they're gonna be top four. I think they're gonna either be five, six, seven, eight. Um I haven't done rankings or anything yet, but I don't see them in the top four. But I say they could knock off one team. I'm telling you, they got enough if they could stay healthy, knock out wood, they got enough spread out. Scoring, size to mess you up on matchups, and they got defense. I mean, you know, they got defense. So both those bigs could guard, they could block shots, they could run the floor. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. So eh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, folks. Fact or fake news number two. Within the next year, the NBA will drastically change rules on players participating in pro leagues across the country. I'm half fact, half fake news. I think there's going to be changes. I don't think it's going to be drastic. So to drastic, I'm fake news in it. Um, but I think I think there's going to be tweaks. That, that I think the owners are going to bring this up in their next the next ownership meeting or whatever the hell they've renamed it, um, and, and discuss what they can do to try and protect their assets. Because not only that, pro like the contracts that are, the contract amounts that we're seeing, we're close to someone getting seventy million a year in the next couple of years, right? So. You know, imagine that guy's like, hey, I'm just going to play this this pro-am and you just paid me, you know, five years, 300 plus million. <laughs> it's just like the, the owner's going to be in a yoga pose trying to breathe, you know, like it's, it is a bit of a risk. Um, so I think there will be a tweak. I, I'll fake news that it will be drastic though. That, that, like you said, they can't, they can't go that drastic, right? No, they can't just because of, um, I agree, I fake news it too, just because... Players Association will threaten to sue, you know, even though it protects assets of the teams, especially these big contract guys or any contract guys, to be honest, you know, because most players are an asset to one extreme or the other. Um, but you can't stop teams from playing, players from playing. I think, like I said, I think that the NBA should put, you know, six figures into a, a bunch of leagues across the country and say, look, these are the leagues. They got to be up to par like that. Nike was like that a few, like 15 years ago, Bogues. They used to do that. They took like 15 pro leagues across the country, Chicago, Boston, LA, San Fran. And they put like not a hundred grand in, but they probably put like 50 or 60,000 into each league and made sure it was run up to par. You know, I think they should do something like that, but I fake news it. I don't think that they're going to make NBA rules drastic. You know, God forbid if it was like LeBron or something, maybe. But like mm. Holmgren is a big story because of the where he was drafted, but not stature yet. But I, I fake news it too. I think you're right. I, I don't think they're going to make drastic changes. All right. Last yep. but certainly not least, with the Pat Beverly trade, the Lakers will have both him and Westbrook on the roster prior to trade deadline this season. Fact or fake news? We'll have him on prior. Prior, Ooh. so like, uh, I, I think, yeah, I think he's gone prior. Yeah, I think, I think, fact. Uh, we'll have no, sorry, fake news. They won't have him. They won't have. They won't have both of them on the roster by trade deadline. I think, regardless, something's getting done by by then. Yeah, I fake news it too. Um, I don't like to agree with everything you say because just because of Tom Fuckery and all, but um, I agree. Like. I don't think he'll be there. I think, you know, I was listening to Frank Isola, um, sad, um, Serious Radio, him and Scalabrini have a podcast, and Scal made a good point. Like, I wasn't big on picks, but, like, attaching picks to Westbrook, I wouldn't care. But if if they're going to throw sort of what was thrown at Ainge today, multiple unprotected picks, because, look, if – you don't know what's going to happen with LA's roster in like two years from now. And they gave away a lot of picks. So if you make the picks in like 2027 and 2029, and then they retool, like they could be in Never Neverland for a few years. Now, 
they'll reset a lot easier than like Minnesota will reset because people want to play in LA. But those unprotected picks, especially if you get dead weight on your, you know, like you just could take the money on your cap or you you unload a couple of players, but you get these two picks, could be worth something. It's a good carrot. Yeah. yeah, it's a good carrot. But, a good carrot to dangle. But I, I, I think he's going to be gone. I don't think it's going to be days or weeks, but I think like heading into this thing, finally someone's going to be like, you know what? Like, yeah, I mean, Westbrook for two of these picks and we give them – you know, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm just gonna like spitball here. Like, if I'm, oh man, if I'm like your boy Indiana, I want to see that. I want to see Rick Carlisle and uh, that's the only computer. trade. Yeah, like, yo, that's the <laughs> only trade that that could happen, right? That they can get, um, you know, they can get the shooter and and they can get Turner. Uh, who's the shooter I'm thinking of from SAC? Buddy, um, Buddy uh, Hield. Yeah, Buddy Hield. I don't know why getting old, folks. Forty seven, but. Um, <laughs> I think with Buddy Heald and Turner, that makes sense. But like, if I'm like, just say like Sacramento and the Lakers offer me, you know, Westbrook and two picks for Harrison Barnes and somebody else, like you got to think about it just because it's two unprotected picks, you know, to go ahead with that other, the, all those other young players you got on your roster, you might think about it, right? Like, it might not yeah, definitely, definitely get done, but like, you know, if you're them or you're Miami and they want Kyle Lowry, which they could have got from you, they could have got earlier if they want to put anyway. Or, yeah, Horton <laughs> Tucker, right? But like, you know, you're just throwing these names around. Like, if, if those are types of players that could be thrown in deals. But I think the two unprotected picks, and if you put them in 27, 29, you know, rolling the dice that LeBron's going to leave. Which I don't think LeBron will leave, but just say he does leave, and you know that you could ret- they they retool and they're bad, and now you get these two picks, you know, five six years from now, might want to do it. But I I think he's gone. I don't think he'll be there by trade deadline. Agree. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Basketball Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking a break with us. Hope you enjoyed. And pro, we will see you next week, folks. Talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. <laughs>